Pere, his auntie, and his sister Armidia are busy sorting and cleaning the house of their koro, Hemi, who has recently passed away. Kia ora. Can you confirm that Hemi Bonar is deceased? Deceased? You mean dead? Yeah. Speak English, me. This is Major William Johnson. Can you confirm that Hemi Bonar is deceased? Oh, you mean Korohemi, our grandfather. And that would be Puna. Yeah, he died this morning. Pere is joined by his sister, Armidia. They look out the window to see a huge American Chevy speeding off. Who was that on the phone? Some American guy asking for Koro. American? The only American thing that Koro had anything to do with had tomato sauce and mustard on it. I think the guy was military. Pere, who did you say that was? Major Will I Am, US of A Special Forces, looking for secret agent Ponar, sir. I mean, Auntie Sir. Pere finishes with a salute. His auntie pauses. How did you know? Know what? Did Koro talk to you about it? What are you talking about, auntie? Before we finish cleaning up Koro's body, you two better have a seat. Auntie goes to Koro's room and comes back with some old books. Koro was a great storyteller. The best. He had told his children of his time as a secret agent. But they took his stories with a humongous boulder of salt. However, the morning's strange phone call raised a question. What if the stories were true? These are Koro's journals. Whoa, look how old they are. Hey, Amelia, let me read them. Amelia and Pere open the journals. Um, is this Russian? No. It is writing. It's what we did before keyboards and computers. Ah, you better read it, auntie. They were a splinter cell. An elite recon unit known as BAD. BAD stood for Black Anti-Division, Anti-Other Black Ops, although they preferred the title Badass Division. <laughs> They were the squad that you sent in to eliminate other black op units. They were a co-op of multiple governments, usually Western, that cooperated on matters of world security. BAD were made up of an elite force from all over the world. There were the Blackwater Mercs from the States, snipers from Germany, unarmed combat specialists from South America, and the most dangerous of the team, a group of kids from Aotearoa, specifically Māori kids. Now these weren't your regular cheeky smart aleck Māori kids, well, not only. These kids had a gift, the occult power, and their main job was to take out other kids like themselves. These types of units were always kids, as they were stronger than their older counterparts. Once puberty hit, the power waned, and the paranormal experts believed it had something to do with crossing over to adulthood and the loss of imagination and the you-can-do-anything attitude you have as a kid. 
The Maori kids of BAD were generally recruited straight out of the bush and had no identifiable family to miss them or to be used as leverage. They were brown so they could slip in and out of a lot of countries without drawing attention. But their biggest asset of all was that they were kids. Who would suspect a bunch of Maori kids of being elite soldiers? Up until now, BAD had come up against Zulu witch doctors, voodoo doll-wielding Haitians and the like, but they were about to face an enemy that they had only heard rumours about. Black Mask. They had retired every group they'd come up against, but Black Mask avoided direct confrontation with BAD. Anyway, in BAD's possession was a secret weapon, a talisman, a war god called Faifaya. To the common eye, it looked like an ordinary rock, perfect for getting through customs. But it had immense power, capable of destroying entire armies. It was given to them by a karaua, a tohunga Faifaya, a master of the dark arts, and were warned to only use it as a last resort. All they knew was that it would destroy everything around. They just weren't entirely sure how. BAD had been dispatched to Rayata, a small island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They had received intel that black masks were en route to steal a pair of nukes that the French had intended to test off the coast of Mururoa Atoll sometime that year. All right, Rayata, finally, somewhere cool. Suntan and beaches. Stay focused, Hori. Trust me, the last thing you need is a suntan. Just trying to blend in. If you don't loosen up, how long do you think it's going to take for someone to figure us out? What the heck is that? It's called a pager. State of the art. It can send secure messages, unlike our old radio transmitter. What does the message say? Come on, we have to go. It's night time when they arrive to a coconut factory on the other side of the island. The factory has a huge warehouse and is surrounded by a 15-foot electric fence. There are guard towers with heavy machine guns at every corner of the factory. There are a couple of light-armoured scout vehicles and the latest AMX-30 tank. There are half a dozen or so guards walking the perimeter with dogs. Well, those must be some coconuts. Tom here, shut it. Where are the others? I don't know. They should be here. Mist moves in quickly, covering the factory. Tangiwai, are you doing this? Tangiwai shakes her head. Bolts of lightning shoot down from the heavens, destroying the guard tower and sending sparks flying everywhere. The guards with the dogs are lifted up off the ground and hurled at the fence. The electricity surge lights up the fence. Soldiers jump into armoured vehicles and speed off towards the gates. They suddenly stop as if running into a brick wall. The backs of the vehicles lift off the ground on impact. The vehicles are slapped sideways and roll multiple times in opposite directions, stopping only as they smash into the electric fences. 
the engine of the tank starts up, the turret turns to the right and then fires. The shell stops in mid-air, turns and hurtles back towards itself. The tank is destroyed. There is only the sound of the towers on fire and the crackling of a broken electric fence. A Peugeot casually drives into what is now a war zone, followed by a huge truck. Four people exit the car and head inside. B.A.D. Let's go! We're not gonna wait for the others. There's no time! Come on! They run towards the main building. As they pass the truck, Mary lifts her hand towards the drivers. Airboy! They both fall to the sides. Hori lifts his hand towards the door and flicks it to the side. The door flies off its hinges. They proceed inside with caution and survey the area. Nothing. The black masks are either gone or are masters of hide and seek. Metal boxes suddenly fly towards them. Flicking his hands, Hori parries them to the side. Tongiwai erects an ice shield in front of them and the boxes slam into it. But where are the black mask? Mere, see if you can sense anyone using a mind block. There is. It's not as strong as her, but strong enough. She severs the mind connection. The black mask materializes in the middle of the factory floor. They are dressed in black tracksuits, complete with utility belts and backpacks. On their faces are black square masks. None of them say a thing. Okay, black mask I assume, hmm? Very clever by the way, hypnotic camouflage. But sorry, we've already done that one. Now, let's make this easy. Get the hell out of here or we'll let you have it. Psst, Hori. Not now, Mire. We must get out of here, now. I'm sensing something bad. The black masks stand there without uttering a word. One of them reaches inside their tracksuit and pulls out a cap and throws it towards them. Hori reaches out and the cap shoots straight to his hand. He recognizes it. It belongs to Patton, one of the black water mercs. What have you done to them? One of the black masks shrugs. B-A-D! Air hockey! Hori! What? We have to go! Now! Mm-hmm. One of the black masks reaches into a backpack and pulls out an object covered in cloth. They remove the cloth. It's a dark obsidian rock. There are explosions all around, but it's not coming from the black mask. Everybody's heads turn toward the spotlight beaming through the warehouse windows. It looks like the entire French army are there. Attack helicopters, armored vehicles, and hundreds of ground troops. Both BAD and Black Mask telepathically shield themselves, but are thrown by the impact of multiple rockets. Black Mask have a chopper waiting for them with two crates attached to it by chains. The truck out the front was a decoy. As soon as they enter the chopper, it disappears. Tangiwai sends ice and snow, which freezes a section of the ground troops and sends some of the choppers to the ground. 
my cloth. Wait for me. Minute! Where the hell are you going? I can't leave it here. Hordy extends his hand to telepathically protect Mede as she retrieves the rock. As soon as she has it, Mede waves her hand and B.A.D. disappear too. We're going to a safe house not far from here. We'll talk there. They get to a little farmhouse on the banks of a river. What the hell happened back there? And where was the rest of the team? Hordy gets another message on his pager. Mission compromised. Team gone. Nukes on their way to the black market. You're on your own. They're gone. All of them. Oh, man. How? I'll give you two clues. And it starts with black and ends with mask. Most likely. So, what do we do? We finish this. All in favour say aye. Aye. Okay, guys. One last issue. Mere reaches into her backpack and pulls out the obsidian rock. Is that what I think it is? It called out to me. Let's use it against them. No, we have to put it to sleep. After careful deliberation... Bring it to the river. They all go to the river behind the farmhouse. Hori and Tangiwai have torches to light the way. Mede kneels down and submerges the rock into the water. Tame, you know what to do. Tame has used the karakia that draws the wairua out of a possessed object, be it a voodoo doll or a wand. The wairua was always the same, a twisted or malevolent spirit of some kind whose essences were captured and weaponized. The water starts to boil as the karakia starts. Mede throws the rock into the middle of the river. A whirlpool about six feet in diameter forms around the rock. There's a flash of light like an aurora that lights the night sky for a moment and then it's gone. The water sizzles and then the gentle flow of the river returns. Mere doesn't move. Mere, you okay? Mere doesn't respond. She's more sensitive than the others to these kinds of things. Hey, snap out of it. What is it? That wairua. What about it? It was... What? Māori. Māori? Are you sure? Yes, and an old one. He materoto. A stillborn. Twins in this case. The most powerful kind. Our people captured their spirits inside of objects, carving or rocks such as this one. It was cruel. War was cruel, especially back in the time of our tsipuna. It doesn't make sense that the Black Mask would have this. I don't know, but I don't like this. First our team and now this. We've got the coordinates, but you're not gonna like this. It's in the middle of the Pacific. Black is sure to be there protecting the nukes. Hmm. I think it's time we introduced them to Fai Fai Ya. Come on, let's get ready. Our ride will be here shortly. 
BAD are on the boat on an intercept course. They are headed to a rendezvous point near the Kermadec Islands, a place that Tsipunako Terangitahua. There they are. Here we go. Mire, you're up. They scale the side of the ship. Mere waves at the guards. E moi. They all simultaneously collapse. Okay, remember, our job is to confirm that the nukes are here. We get off, send the ship to the bottom of the Pacific, and let the French collect their own lost and found. Marama? Aye. Tame pulls out a Geiger counter. Foi moi. They follow the readings. There were several guards at regular intervals, but nowhere near what they would have expected given the cargo. The Geiger counter starts to go crazy. Okay, we're almost there. Charite! They enter the galley. As expected, black masks are waiting for them. Without mucking around, Hori gives the call. Go, Kiri! They launch a preemptive strike. They learn from their previous encounter not to hesitate. However, nothing is working. They're just waving their hands in the air. The leader of the black mask walks towards them. He clicks a button on a remote and every door locks shut. You don't know, do you? Radioactivity disrupts our abilities. Here in the belly of the ship, you're just an ihuhupe again. In exactly 10 minutes, the ship will be swarming with hundreds of soldiers. He removes his mask. Hori stills in surprise. His name is Tsuki. He continues to walk towards Hori. Oh my God! Tsuki, you went missing! Everyone thought you'd drowned that day at the beach! It's all part of the game, so no one would come looking. And that's the downside of Farno. Tsuki, what are you doing? If these nukes get out, they'll destroy everybody. They've already destroyed everybody. Hiroshima, Nagasaki, have any of you seen how they're getting on? Toki, whose side are you on? Actually, I was about to ask you the same question. Do you know who you're working for? I'm fighting for the people, all people, our people, every single one of us who lives on their knees. Join us, that's why I wanted to talk to you alone. Together, we could bring them all to their knees. All of them who keep us and all our brethren down. What do you reckon? Tsuki extends his hand. Hori is mesmerized. He pauses and then... He headbutts Tsuki, sending him flying back towards the others. You can thank our South American brothers for that little move. Do it, Mere! Mere takes Faifaya out of its bag. They all put their hands on Faifaya, unsure of what it will do. The rock begins to glow. An energy wave pulses outwards. They hold their breath in anticipation and then... The door behind them swings open. Let's go! They run down the passageway. The ship starts to spin slowly and they have trouble keeping their balance. They make it outside to see that there are hundreds of boats approaching fast from the port side. They run to the opposite side of the ship and leap into a waiting net. They climb down into the boat. Go, go, go! We gotta get out of here! 
Hold up! The kids stop for a moment to see that a giant whirlpool is consuming the ship and the boats appear to have already been swallowed. There is a crashing of waves and everything is gone. The ocean has returned to normal. The journal ends. Parata! That was the Parata, wasn't it? Oh, Auntie, true or not, that was an awesome story. Yes, it was. Pere, can you put these journals in the cupboard in Koro's room? Amelia, can you help me set the table for our manuhiri? I. Pere takes the journals and puts them into Koro's cupboard. On the way out, he pauses to reminisce at one of the photos on the wall of he and Koro out fishing. He touches Koro's face on the photo. The photo swings open to reveal a secret compartment with a box inside. He opens the box. There is a bag inside, and in the bag is a rock. It begins to glow. Auntie, you might want to have a look at this. Brought to you by Te Wānanga o Aotearoa with funding from Te Māngai Pāho.